8 o'clock. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles, the Jim Davis Show, all across the Western Slope on the Team Sports Network here in the Valley, 1011 FM, 1340 AM, 102.1 FM along Highway 50, North Fork as well. You can hear us there and online at the team1340.com. All right, so it is a day to complain, gripe. I was unhappy about the wind yesterday. Though I, I should have been happy about the wind because I was going to take recycling in. Try to do it into your neighbor's yard. Nice. Try to, well, no, we got a word doesn't do that. No, oh. no, no. It's it's in a secured area, but I was going to take it in. But I thought, well, they might close down the recycling place mm-hmm. because it's windy. They do that, so stuff doesn't blow all over the place. Yeah. And so I didn't take anything in yesterday. So I was like, oh, I want to I want to get it done because it's starting to get you know a little backing up a little bit and try to do the recycling thing because it's close to where we live so it's not like it's a super long drive but I didn't want to get there and find out that they were closed and all that but then I should have been happy because then I put it off for another day I didn't have to do it yesterday it's true you might have to do it today so I'm so I'm conflicted on whether that was something I should have been initially I was kind of unhappy I wasn't like I was really mad it was like I wanted to go get that done today I guess I'm more that way because I wanted to get it done. So now I'll I'll do it today. That's my biggest complaint. Also, I'm starting to get a little bit of a cold. Mm-hmm. A little bit of one going. Kenda's been battling one for a while here. A lot of people, our, our IT guys had it here at the station. Our buddy Max. Got a lot of people that have been going through the, the crud. Yeah, I caught one about a month ago. Yeah. And so, so I've got still like, fighting off the after effects of the cough there. Yeah, I've got like a little little thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping keep it at bay, but uh, yeah. But I don't. I don't have a lot of things to complain about today, really. No, I I really don't either. You know, in in the case of the Broncos and the brass at the combine, Sean Payton says it's going to be two weeks. They they know what they're going to do. Come on, let's be honest about that. Russ is gone. They should know what they're going to they, do. They then. should already know what they're going to do. All right. So we're going to get into that around the NFL in just a moment. Got a text from Dylan. Great win by Avs. Full team game. One to whine about people that drive rice burners and then lane weave and speed and think they look cool. And they get stuck at the in the right lane and not ahead of you like they wanted. Love seeing people get mad on the road. Yeah, that's a lot of fun when you have the people that, like, ride your tail to try to get you to go faster. Just haul than, and butt. And, and then they swerve into the other lane and go past you, and they don't make any progress. Then as you're driving by, you just give them a nice thumbs up. Not even a finger. Just a just thumbs a, up. Good, like, good decision, good bro. Good job. They get so hot. It's hilarious. Good job, buddy. Like, wow, was, look at you. Yeah, I always love it where they... They just they're they're hauling butt. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're right on your bumper. They get and they get to the light and you stop right next to them. Yep. <laughs> and they're right next to you. Hey, good job there. Uh, mm-hmm. Good job, Jeff Gordon. The one I love. It happened to me last summer, driving down the highway from Thirty Road towards Clifton, and I'm doing fifty eight ish. Speed limit is fifty five. Or 50, whatever it is. I'm over the speed limit, whatever it is. Not like a ton, but, you know, I'm keeping up with people. A mile or hour per hour two over the speed limit. We're within 10%. And so this uh, Jeep, and I'll never forget it, bright blue with an Indiana Hoosiers tire uh, cover. Bright blue comes up and is just like right, right up on me to get underneath the mirror so where I can't see his headlights. And this is a Jeep. Like a Wrangler. Yeah. So if he's that close to my little Altima where I can't see his headlights, he's really close. And so I slow down to the speed limit because I'm a jerk. And so I slow down even more and I'm in the left lane. And so I turn to go on 31 Road to Orchard to go the back way to the neighborhood Walmart right there. He f- turns behind me. I, okay, fine. So the speed limit on that little stretch, I don't know what it is, but I was doing 25 and he was not very happy about that. That's right probably on. what it is. Yeah. It's probably 25, 30 miles an hour. Turn right onto Orchard. He turns right in front of me or behind me. 
And like there wasn't really enough room for him with the car that was coming on Orchard, but he did it anyway. And then as we're getting towards Central High School, he passes me on the double yellow. And so at this point, I'm like, eh, screw it. I'm going to, you know, just kind of jerk around with this guy. He goes flying right by me only to stop at the light. And I just creep up behind him. And I, I can see he's fuming, but looking in his mirror at me. So I stick my arm out the window and I give him a thumbs up. Way to go, buddy. His door opens and then the light turns green and he drives off. I'm like, uh-oh. Was he going to get out? Was of- I don't know. It was close. I'm like, ah. I'm still in my car and my, I have my, enough my, room my to go around. Be, are, you, so. are, you a, are you law enforcement? Are you a first responder? Are you a doctor? Right. Are you are you on your way to a medical call or an he emergency? turned into a random neighborhood. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like, what, what, what is your right. hurry, dude? Like, we've all been in the car where we got to find our bathroom fast. I get it. But. Well, then pull into the Walmart and go use yeah, the bathroom in the do, Walmart Do something then. there. Yeah. Don't even have to clean that one. You have to clean the one at <laughs> your own house. If it comes to that, you know. But yeah, I was that's that's one of my favorite of all time. I have a knack though. You can yeah. just ask Cake. I have a knack of taking something that's really not my fault and pissing people off more. <laughs> well, I would and here's the one I love too, and this happened not recently, it's been a while ago, where make a right turn, I'm in I'm in the right lane, mm-hmm. there's a truck in front of me, they got a refrigerator that they must have bought like at Home Depot because this was out by the mall. And so they're driving really slow. They're driving below the speed limit. So I pass them. Mm-hmm. I just pass. I don't, I don't like get on it. And right. I just, you know, pass them. And then all of a sudden, this guy feels apparently that I disrespected him yeah. by merely passing him. And he gets on it. He was doing like 75. I mean, he, with a refrigerator strapped in the back of his truck, a brand new refrigerator. And gives me the finger and and blows by me in the right lane. And I'm just kind of going, all right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All I did was pass you. You were driving slow and I just went by you and that's all I did. And so that something else going on in your life that day, dude. I'm maybe fair. Like, maybe you didn't like forking out all that money for that refrigerator. I don't know what the deal was, but it, I would have laughed my my butt off though if that thing would have been flying out of what plus it didn't hit my truck. Flew out of the truck after you just bought it at Home Depot. That would have been hilarious. I was like, why are you mm-hmm. so why are you mad? Why why are you mad? You were driving below the speed limit. I just passed you. Didn't blow by him. Just kind of cruised around him. Gone my way, heading up the parkway, and this guy just gets on it. I mean, yeah. just flies by me. And I, I needed to update my references. I said Jeff Gordon earlier. Uh, Daniel Suarez. Yeah, it's Jeff Gordon. A little dated. I know. Lewis Kids Hamilton. Kids out there are not going to have any idea who Jeff Gordon is. Lewis Hamilton. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Broncos par owner, Lewis Hamilton. Yes, exactly. So I'm sure, sure a bit more. Apropos. Love. It's like I've decided the phrase, the Reader's Digest version is mm-hmm. very outdated, so it's now the TikTok version. There you go. TikTok, a real? Yeah. Reels a real? A Reels version? All right, so we got one. Let's see. Why about a Wednesday cutting out the last of the ninth inning on the Rockies game Monday with two outs, one person on base, and the person that hit two home runs in the game is up because of the 4 o'clock normal programming sports talk person, Todd. Well, we greatly apologize. We cut off a practice game in February. Todd, we're sorry about that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have the computer makes the decision to cut yeah. off the game. And by the time we're going to get it back on, that game's already going to be over. So we're sorry about that, Todd. We are always looking for people to come and sit here yeah. and not listen to, not get paid to listen to the radio to make sure the game doesn't. So, Todd, if you're interested, 254 uh, 2100. We try to not let that happen. Sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Spring training game. Okay, we're 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 sorry that you missed that moment of the game. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sitting. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and throw shade at Todd. Todd wanted to hear the game. That's what I'm for. Our job. Our job is to make sure the game's on. It does happen sometimes. The computer cuts off the game early, and by the time that we can do it, do we? We don't have people sitting here. Right. Pull it's back the curtain a little usually bit. Usually, just me and you. 
it's just the two of us, and sometimes that's that is going to happen. Doesn't not I know it's not a great excuse, mm-hmm. but we, sometimes it happens. It, we are usually locked in more on games that count. The deeper we get into a respective season, the yeah. more locked in we are. And like, ah, oh, this is getting really tight here. We need to do something. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it's spring training for us too. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like I said, we're not. I get to for everybody. I can make a bunch of excuses. Happened. We're sorry about that. Did they win? Uh, that would have been. Let's say it was Monday, was when, Monday. They, when they won the last. Didn't lose. They lost. Well, they lost Sunday nine to four. I didn't see if they won Monday. I didn't or was it Monday? Was it Monday they took? The, they faced the Dodgers Monday, right? Yeah, that's when they lost. I believe nine to four. Mm-hmm. I believe. So they did. They lost nine to four. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I remember it was. It was. It was Monday. So yeah, I. They 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 lost. They were down nine to four, and they lost. But we're sorry the game shut off before. They lost yesterday to the Royals, mm. unfortunately. All right, Royals so might be pretty good this year, though. Yeah, they've uh, made a major investment, haven't they, in being a being a legitimate contender in the Central, or trying to be at least a legitimate mm-hmm. contender. All right, eight eleven, Jim, along with the Buckeye boy, it's time for around the NFL. <laughs> The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, start things out with what's going on at the Combine right now. Broncos brass in Indianapolis for the Combine this weekend. And uh, Sean Payton talked to the media. And one of the things that, uh, of course, he was asked about was the quarterback position. We'll go ahead and play the the clip that we played earlier from Sean Payton. We'll throw it in here with uh, the sound from Sean Payton. This is on when they expect him to make a decision about Russell Wilson. There's a couple factors here. You know, obviously the cap projections came out. We're further down the road with the draft class, obviously the pro free agents. So I would I would anticipate it being, uh, you know, within the next two weeks. All right. So that's Sean Payton about when they may expect to make a decision on Russell Wilson. Let's be honest. They pretty much already have made that decision. They're, he'll be gone before March 17th, before he gets the $37 million in guaranteed money. So it's finding the right guy to replace Russell Wilson. Here's Sean Payton on that search at the Combine and just their overall search of finding Russell Wilson's maybe possible potential replacement. Yeah, well, look, we better, you know. So the question was, you know, finding the right solution to quarterback in uh, in, in this league, which is obviously very competitive in our division, uh, I think it's I think it's vital. Um, I, I, I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there was a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it, you know, and and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid. And, I, you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. Doesn't that tell you pretty much that the Wilson is done? The next yeah, he's already talking about the next one. The next one doesn't one have a line through it. Yeah. It pretty much does that. That's a meme I've seen before, also in orange, but it's a different team. Your team, yes. correct? So 18, now I think 25, if you want to include P.J. Walker and Joe Flacco into that list, because we're still looking. Still looking for a franchise quarterback. So it could be worse. You could have another 15 years of this on deck. Let us hope that's not the case for the Broncos. Where, always be worse. You don't want to tempt the football gods. Where, where the draft could be the solution to who quarterbacks this team next. Sean Payton talking about uh, getting first impressions of not, not so much about seeing guys throw or their 40 time or those things, but sitting down and talking to players and getting a, a better sense of them as individuals. Here's Sean Payton. So the question is, you know, in our interactions, meetings with quarterbacks here, <clears throat> what's important? I think all of it, the first thing is getting to put a name with a face. And uh, it's the it's the first personal visit where you're like, ah, oh, nice to meet you. And then, you know, you'll spend time with questions and it'll be football related. And um, there'll be follow-up meetings, 
you know, pro day visits, private workout visits. And so these are all like pieces of the equation that I think are necessary. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously the, look, the, the beginning of this event was to combine medical information, you know, hence the term combine. And, and then pretty soon let's run a 40 and let's run a few of these cone drills. Let's have these meetings. Um, but the interactions in the, in the meetings are important because it is the, for a lot of us, you know, the scouts maybe not so much, but for a lot of us, it's the first time we're getting to, um, we're getting introduced to a, a prospect. And, and so not just a quarterback, but the other positions. And I, I think that first impression is important. All right, that's Sean Payton. I always thought it was to harvest the next crop of potential players. Is why they called it a combine. And because it's in Indiana, where there's a lot of corn. I don't know the origin of it. What you're saying He's makes sense. He's probably closer. Mine's more punny, <laughs> but... His is probably closer. Probably to more, yeah, combining... Since he's actually... The, the medical... Worked in the... The actual field. physical workout, mm -hmm. the in-person workout, though, kind and of And I don't thing. know why I didn't ever put it to you, but it makes total sense. It's one of those things, as soon as you hear, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess... Okay, yeah, it's true. I never really put too much thought behind <laughs> why it's it was called to do with combine. With farm equipment and yeah. silos and yeah. <laughs> making an agricultural mm -hmm. reference to it. All right, so uh, what about free agency for the Broncos? What about it? George Payton a while back said that Denver was not going to be very active in free agency. Here's George Payton talking about Broncos free agency. We said we're going to be strategic. We're not going to be as aggressive as last year. You know, we, we, we have flexibility, but we're going to, you know, just be more measured and, and try to fill specific, you know, positions, specific, specific needs, um, you know, throughout the, the team. But I uh, feel like we'll have the flexibility to do that. But we're not going to be like, you know, we can't do that every year and, and be aggressive like we we're, were last year. So there you go. He is, they have not changed their uh, approach on it after they spent all the money on McGlinchey and Powers. Now, here's yeah. my question. If those guys play better, do they have the ability to be just as aggressive this year? Financially, is probably. This all an pro is that an optics thing? I, I, I tend to think so because it's, it's about the money that they're paying McGlinchey mm -hmm. and they're paying Powers. Because now and you kind of start to get a... These guys don't know what they're doing with calf space. Vibe a little bit. Because nobody's really worked out in free agency. The guys that they've re-signed that they've drafted, Simmons, Pat Sertan, those type of guys are doing all right. But, like, Russ isn't free agency, but well, they signed Simmons, him to a deal. Sertan's still on his rookie deal. Right. But yeah. So they're going to extend him here in a little bit. But Russ wasn't necessarily free agency, but they did extend him. Then Powers and McGlinchey and... Randy Gregory and Frank Clark and all these other guys that they went after in free agency, you start to get a, man, you're not very good at this. So maybe the Penner Walton group is like, let's not be as aggressive until yeah, let's we see get where better. <laughs> let's see how this works. And because let's be honest in the case of George Payton, the clock's ticking. Yeah. If, if things, if Denver does not, Sean Payton's going to be there this year and probably another year. I don't think there's any – they're not going to pull the trigger on any kind of move like that with Sean Payton if there's if they regress and they, they win seven games. If he George gets, Payton's gone, though. Yeah. If, they, if, they, if they drop down to seven or six wins, he's gone. If they fire Sean Payton, it's probably because they had to. And then you're looking at four or five wins in the face. And that's a disaster that you just got to move on from. But I agree with you. George Payton, like, even a slight step backwards – probably cost him his job because he's his seat's very warm right now to me very very warm so back to russell wilson with march 17th coming up so just to give you an outline of, of here's where we are right now and here's where this is going with russell wilson so if he's on the team's roster march 17th his 37 million dollar salary for 2025 becomes guaranteed sounds like st patrick stays on russ exactly releasing him before that date would create the, the dead money we've talked about that the Broncos would be able to spread out over two years by the virtue of the, the post-June designation. So they could take a smaller chunk of the hit 
by exercising an option bonus in Wilson's contract. She's Nat Patholy, the Broncos, with roughly $35 million in dead cap money next season, $50 million in 2025. If they don't exercise the option, the hit, $53 million in 2024, $32 million in 2025. So it's, it's kind of either you pay now and pay less later, or you pay less now and pay more later, depending on which option you pick here. It's still a lot of dead it money. Is. Either either way, it's and still a lot of dead money. I can see each Peyton wanting to go a different way. Sorry, my phone's yelling at me. Okay. I can see each Peyton wanting to go a different way with this. Sean with, if we do the $52 million now in a year where we're kind of out of the quarterback sweepstakes in the draft, we could patch the year with Jared Stidham and have more flexibility next year as the cap probably goes up again. And I get a fourth year because look at the salary cap hell I was in for year number, or I get a third year because look at the salary cap hell. I can see Sean Payton wanting to do it that way. I can see George wanting to let's alleviate as much risk on this year because this might be my last year. Yeah, so salary cap for this year, by the way, the number went up to 25, 255.4 million up to 24.8 from from last season. So it's a $30.6 million increase. It's the largest in, in free agency history with the cap increase. So that is something, like you said, that they could, mm-hmm. could play a role in this whole thing. All right, a couple other things to get to this morning, uh, one of which is the XFL-style kickoff. Because there was some talk for a while that it was going to be – it was kind of a – dead on arrival but according to reports that the uh, nfl is going to consider adopting kind of their version of the xfl kickoff model mm-hmm. and so they would do that in march they would they would vote on it where if you're not familiar with how it works and the xfl kicker lines up 30 yard line with the 10 other members of the kickoff team lining up with the opponents 35 five yards away from the returning team, kicker and returner are the only players who can move until the ball is fielded. Touchbacks are placed at the 35-yard line. So there's been some talk that there could be some tweaks to that to make it make it the NFL's yeah. own. I don't think they'd bring the touchbacks out to the 35. They'd probably still put them at the 25. Probably still. That, that would be one of the, the potential tweaks. So the competition committee, uh, they, they discussed it on Monday, and the owners will vote on it coming up in March has to get 24 of 32 owners to, to sign off on it. And the competition committee chair, Rich McKay, said that the special teams coordinators will have a role in creating a kickoff proposal. But there's a feeling that there's so many kind of old school, you know, you know owners that have kind of an old school thought about this. Mm-hmm. And also some of the guys that coach special teams, that they're not crazy about this idea, that it's probably not going to happen. Though it should because... Guess what? It puts the kickoff return back into the NFL, which has now disappeared. Right, which means you're going to have to pay special team specialists, which the owners don't really want to do. They don't want to pay anybody. Make and them so have to pay more players. So they're perfectly fine with the kickoff being kind of a uh, ceremonious kind of thing where every kicker in the league can pretty much put it in the end zone. I have... A proposal for the NFL kickoff rule. Nobody gets to move at all. So the return team stands at the 50. Or the, you know, they can, you can line up wherever you want. The kicking team, you line up at the 40, wherever the ball is placed. The kicker, no run up. You just swing your foot into it and kick it as far as you can from a dead standing position. If it goes out of the end zone, great. But I don't need a 15-yard run for you to just kick it through the uprights for a pointless 45 seconds on my toes. So does this bring back the return of the straight-on kicker? Yeah, maybe. Like the like Jim Turner back in the day. Right. But you, you, Lou Groza. You find your plant foot, <laughs> and you just kick the ball. If it goes out into the end zone for a touchback anyway, great. But if it's it a doesn't, idea. you know, because now it's from you had the th- – you know, one, two, three step kick and it would land at the five and guys would return it. 
Now you have the kicker starting way back at the 20, and he runs a 20-yard dash and boots the ball into the next county. Why? We're wasting all of this time. It's an interesting idea. So hmm. don't let anybody move. You don't get any head, head running start. That That is true. You know? And that's part of the safety element mm-hmm. here of why they're only five yards apart because yeah. you don't get a, any run-up at each other. Hmm. Nobody gets to move at all. No running start. Sometimes your ideas actually mm-hmm. generate some true merit. Yep. All right. And so coming up, uh, Michael Wells, Fruit of a boys basketball coach. Uh, time right now to play Wrigley Field Cutter Sports Trivia to win a $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field, Grand Junction's original sports bar just east of Sam Saplazio Field on North Avenue. All right, name the last time the Colorado State men's basketball team won the Mountain West regular season title. When was the last time the CSU men's basketball team won the Mountain West Conference regular season title? Tell us the last time. Once again, if you've won the last two weeks, don't play. And uh, But if you haven't won the last two weeks, first correct answer wins. 970-242-1340, text only. Name the last time the CSU men's basketball team won the Mountain West Conference regular season title. Send your answer in right now, 970-242-1340. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking through to Monument Boys basketball with Coach Michael Wells on the Jim Davis Show. And Michael Wells brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. His team has won 25 straight. They're into the grade eight. First time in Fruto Monument basketball history that a team has been into the, uh, the boys basketball team has been into the 6A grade eight. With us right now, Michael Wells. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good, Jim. How are you? Doing fine. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, a great win for your basketball team last Saturday. Uh, it just, you know, I thought your, your, your team uh, went out and got out to that fast start. That was something you'd kind of uh, talked to us about that after the, the game against uh, Highlands Ranch that uh, and you fell behind and by 14 and had to fight your way back to win that basketball game. Getting off to a quick start was imperative. You jumped out to an 11-0 lead. And, boy, your team really, you know, with that, that early start, that 11-0 run, that really set the tone for the rest of the game last Saturday. It really did. You know, I think obviously we were, we were, we knew we had to get off to a better start than we did against Highlands Ranch. And, you know, we made that late run in that game. And I think, you know, after we got through nerves and all of that stuff, it kind of clicked in us a little bit. And I think also we just had some more familiarity with Broomfield playing them earlier in the year, kind of knowing what they were. And, and in that game, we didn't play very well. You know, Daniel was in foul trouble a bunch. Jet was in foul trouble a bunch. And, and we just really felt, I think, a, a more a level of comfort. And so we were kind of past nerves and that sort of thing. And and just the, the crowd that was there was absurd. Um, the community and stuff really got behind this group. And, and it's easy easy when you got a lot of people on your side to, to get off to a fast start and that sort of thing. And, you know, kind of just had worked through that first game jitters and um, you know, basketball is a game of runs, and oftentimes that that first run of the game or the first run of the second half or something, if you if you go back and look, is oftentimes the difference in the in the final score. And you know, we had to be pretty close with the run we had to start that game. Michael Wells, Fruit of my boys basketball coach, with us. And I, I think when you look at uh, the job your team def- did defensively uh, against uh, Broomfield, where a uh, guy that's been one of their best scores this season. Uh, that uh, has had a, a, a tremendous. The, the, oh gosh, remember his name right now. Uh, their their top scorer this year. Yeah, uh, number three. Number three. <laughs> you held you held him to to under ten points, and I think all his points uh, came in the in the second half. And so that was a a huge, I think, a, you know, positive for your basketball team, Michael. The job you did keeping him from becoming a factor scorer in the basketball. For sure, it's a huge advantage when you can take the other team's best player out of the game and and you know hold them below their average and that's something we always try to do with any scouting report but sometimes it's easier said than done and I thought our guys really did a good job of executing what we were trying to get them to do and and you know sometimes too when you when you put so much focus on one guy you can let it you know let one of the other guys get going and and I think our guys just really held well to our plan and 
Um, you know, it took them out of what they were trying to do. And, and when you can do that, you have a great time, great chance to win any basketball game. Yeah, Andrew Eflin, by the way, I was fanning on his name for a moment, but uh, you <laughs> held him under double digits. And, and that was a big, uh, a, a big plus for your basketball team that win against Broomfield last Saturday. So now you get Eagle Crest, they beat Ralston Valley, and you do have a, a common opponent, uh, Castleview. You both beat Castleview during the regular season. So uh, when, when, you, when you make that comparison with your performance against Castleview and what Eagle Crest did, what's the takeaway there, Michael, for you? Well, I had a chance to, to spend about 40 minutes on the phone with Castleview's coach and you know get an idea of what he saw live because it's so, so tough to, to see on tape. And I don't know if you can pull anything from – from the comparison of the games because we played them the first game of the year and they played them, you know, their last. And it's just so far apart and teams evolved so much over that period of time. But, you know, he's able to give us some good insight on on personnel and, and just, you know, some things they did that they tried that had success, some things he thought would work that didn't. Um, you know, and, and we know a little bit about, you know, Castleview's personnel playing them. So kind of how they match up with, with what we saw against Eagle Crest and, it gives you an idea, um, and it's nice to have a little info going into it, but it's always so different when you see them live. And, and you know, we'll take some things we learned from that and learn from him and, and try and apply them. But, you know, the, we got to execute it, number one, and then we got to be ready to make adjustments because it may not work for us like it did for them or vice versa. And, you know, we're just really excited to get a chance to, to see them up live and, and you know, we've we've had this you know this notion that we've been disrespected all year um you know maybe the guys have a little bit i, I feel like i have a pretty good idea where we're at and, and that and you know now you're in the group with the big boys and and you want respect you got to earn it and that's what we got a chance to finally do uh tomorrow night Bruno Monument boys basketball coach michael wells with us on the team sports network wildcats into the 6a grade 8 taking on uh eagle crest and uh, with the eagle crest they they had a real battle with Ralston Valley, and they didn't. Uh, they grabbed their first lead with about uh, a little under two minutes left to go in the game, 46-45 uh, when they made some free throws. And then um, Christopher Coleman for them uh, hit a big three-pointer uh, that, that put uh, eight-seeded uh, you know, Eagle Crest on the path to pick up a 53-49 victory. So they really had to, to win a battle where your, your team was able to, to, to really win a, a fairly easy uh, game in the second half. Uh, last Saturday against Broomfield, uh, Eagle Crest, they really had to fight their way to get into the grade eight to get past the Mustangs. And they were fortunate. You know, the the, the three that the kid made to give him the lead, he banked in. Um, you know, I don't think it was one that he meant to go in. Sometimes it's better be lucky and good. Ralston Valley had a real chance to win that game. But both of those teams, you look at an eight, nine seed, they're both really good. And, and we hope they expended a lot of energy having to do it. Uh, and I know we did. I mean, we had max all over the floor with with a foot and an ankle and everything else and and jet hurled over the trash can and daniel took one in the stomach and that sort of thing so at, at this time you're you know everybody's a little sore everybody's a little tired everybody's expended a, a lot of energy you, you, you hope adrenaline can get you through it and and once the game starts you're just kind of ready to play but um it's it's always good when the other team's tested and has to expend a lot of energy as well and um, you know, we had a couple days to prepare for each other, and now it's time to, to get after it. How's uh, Max Orchard's ankle? How's that doing right now? He's good. He's practiced the last two days. Um, you know, Jen, our athletic trainer, has done a great job with his treatment. Um, I know he's been seeing, you know, some, some foot specialists, chiropractors, stuff like that, just trying to make sure he's all lined up and stuff. But he's practiced the last two days. He's looked pretty good. Um, Jet took a couple of IV bags yesterday just to – just to make sure he's got his resources built back up and Daniel seems to have bounced back. And for the most part, everybody else is pretty healthy. So, you know, we're excited to go over there and, and see what we can do. Michael Wells, Fruit of Boys basketball coach with us on the Team Sports Network. Ladavian King for them has been their top scorer, uh, almost 18 points per game this season. Garrett Barger's averaged almost 12 points per game. Uh, when you've, uh, when you're talking to the Castleview coach and also what you've seen on film, Michael, what's your takeaway of, of King and Barger? Well, Ladavian's one of the best guards in the state. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He scores all three levels in, in any way. Um, you, you talk about putting someone like Austin Reed on him and that sort of thing, but I've really stressed to the guys, you know, they, they don't score on Austin, they score on us. And so all five of us got to be engaged when he has the ball and know where he's at when he's off the ball. 
Um, you know, he's someone who can shoot from four or five feet behind the three-point line, and and he's someone when he hits hits one or two, he he can become I mean virtually unguardable. Um, so we got to do a good job in in just recognizing that. And you know, Coliseum's a tough place to shoot. A couple times that I've been over there with teams, we haven't we haven't shot it very well. And you know, if he can if he can shoot, you know, and we can force a couple misses and rebound it, you know, sometimes he'll get frustrated and. And, you know, it, it takes his team a different direction. So we just got to be solid with him. But I think they average 10 offensive rebounds a game. And, and number 12, uh, Bargers, he's a really big piece of that with his size and, and agility. So if they do miss, we got to keep him off the boards. We got to make it tough for him to catch it in the post. And, and when he does, we got to make him go to his, to his right shoulder instead of coming over his left. So all things we've kind of worked on and, and, and that in practice, it's just, tough to simulate their size and speed but also tough to simulate the environment the coliseum and you know you just you try and do the best you can and and then make adjustments when you see it live yeah barger 6'8 junior uh big post player for uh eagle crest michael wells wildcats boys basketball coach with us today on the team your experience at the denver coliseum with uh, taking the fruita girls there twice into the grade eight what can you tell your guys about what to expect at the denver coliseum coming up on thursday well, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a airplane hanger with two little hoops in it. As you know, I've tried to explain to them the shooting backgrounds, unlike anything they've seen or, or can simulate, you know, this, the environment, the energy, the crowd, um, just even how you have to get in the game, you know, parking where you park the bus and walk through all the tunnels like the pro guys do and, and underneath and then out into this big cavern. It's just, it's something that we can't duplicate, and and many of these guys haven't and never will play an environment like this. And so, um, you know, if it was something you did on a regular basis, it, it would be a little easier to deal with. So I've just tried to, you know, focus them on once we get on the court, that's where we got to be good. You know, that's where we got to focus our attention and not all the stuff that's going on around it. And we'll have an opportunity playing late like we do to go watch the first boys game. Um, you know, potentially Thunder Ridge and, and a team that we could play in the second round if we advance. And so hopefully that'll take some of that, you know, awe and some of that, you know, look and feel of the environment. We'll get past that early in the day and then, you know, be able to focus on basketball stuff later. But it's just really tough to duplicate and, and you can't you can't tell guys about it. They just got to experience and you hope they handle it the right way. And, you know, this group's they're different. I don't I don't know if they don't understand we're supposed to not really be over there in this deal according to everybody or if they don't care they're just they're a different group there's something about them and you know i, I hope they're not phased by the setup over there all right so i have a game tomorrow pregame at 5 15 tip up at 5 30 uh the fruit of Monument boys take on eagle crest and the 6a grade eight and then there's the the parade and the you're leading you guys out of town today correct what one o'clock uh, out in fruita yeah, we're going to leave 1 o'clock from Fruto. We're going to swing by a few of the elementary schools and the middle school and just, you know, I guess uh, police escort out of town and, and, you know, stop and see those kids and high-five future Wildcats and that sort of thing down Aspen Street for the community. And it's kind of a neat deal. We're excited about it. All right. Well, Mike, uh, Michael, best of luck. Uh, thanks again for coming on today. And, of course, looking forward to having the game tomorrow night right here on the team. Appreciate it, Michael. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. All right, Michael Wells, Fruit of Boys basketball coach with us today on the Team Sports Network. It's 841. We'll take a break. And on the other side, we'll talk with Avs radio voice Connor McGahee about the Avs big win over the Stars last night. Craptastic. Not just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Avalanche Hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee, on the team. And he had the call, the Avalanche, taking down the Dallas Stars of Ball Arena last night. Connor McGahee joins us. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Good. That was fun. How are you? I'm doing well, and it had to be fun last night. Trailed early on one nothing, and then five you know, consecutive goals for the Avalanche. The point streak, the home point streak continues for Nathan McKinnon, now at 29 games. And there, there really wasn't much to complain about last night. PK was good, scored a goal in power play. Uh, Georgie was great last night. Uh, Mac was doing what Mac does, goal and an assist last night. It uh, all clicked for the Avalanche against the Stars. Yep, and uh, and it frankly needed to be PK in particular because Toronto got two power play opportunities on Saturday. They scored on both of them. 
Um, and uh, Jared Bednar said before the game, he said, we always look at video every single time and we see what works and what doesn't, where our weaknesses are when it comes to an, a particular game and, and where an opponent's strengths are and we want to adjust. And that's a constant process. And I think they did a, a great job last night. I know the Dallas scores on the, the first shot of the game, but after that, it's, it's all ads after that. And um, there's, uh, and it was funny because Mark Rycroft was on with me and he said, you know, the un- unsung hero of this game was Alexander Georgiev. He turns out to be the number one star. And so you get a quality start from your goaltender and the avalanche record when that is the case is, is very, very good, um, which is a sign of a good hockey team. So that's the second one in a, in a couple weeks. Vancouver was the other one for Georgiev and, and it was, uh, trickle-down hockey there as it went through the rest of the team. They took advantage of the fact that Dallas was on the second half uh, of a back-to-back, and that will be the case when they actually come to town in April as well. So the Avalanche get a little bit of a gift in that regard, and they take advantage of it because now Dallas has played one more game than the Avalanche because of that back-to-back. Unfortunately, Winnipeg won again last night. That's four in a row for the Jets. Um, even if nobody was there to watch it. And uh, and so the it's a three-horse race in the Central, and, and Colorado's fully aware of it. But when, you, when you're taking on the division leaders, you have to have a game like you had last night. And for the Avalanche, you're now starting to look ahead toward the Stanley Cup playoffs in, in regard to having at least the home ice advantage for a round. Uh, the, they lead the NHL with a 23-6 and zero mark at home, and that's going to be an important thing, Connor, moving forward for this team as we head into the cup playoffs. It is. And I think that uh, it's funny because when we won the cup, everyone's talking about how good of a road team Colorado was. Remember they had an NHL record for consecutive road victories uh, going into the beginning of this season when they, uh, when they started six and zero to begin the year and that sort of trailed off. But what that tells me is that they're great on home ice. Yes. But there's also, a confidence underneath that when they when they play their best, when everybody's healthy and rested, which will be the plan when it comes to um, the third week in April there, that they they can take on anybody anywhere. And home ice will be very, very important. Um, but not every playoff game is at home. So you have to learn to, to win on the road again. And I, I think that they'll do that. I, I think that when you get the lineup back the way that it is designed to be, when you're playing a brand of hockey that suits you and is winning hockey like the Avalanche have done over the past so many years, and that can that can come into play in any sort of building. So is home ice important? Yes. But, uh, again, you have to be able to, to win those road games as well, as Colorado won all but one when they won the Stanley Cup in uh, 2022. So because most of this roster um, – one of the big players, anyhow, went through that run. That's, I think, where their their brains are uh, in regard to home or away right now. And you mentioned the, the big guns, the stars, know know what it took to win a Stanley Cup. Of course, leading the way there is Nathan McKinnon. 29 for 29 now as far as points at home. Uh, at least one point in every home game. He's just too shy of his second career 100-point campaign. I mean, we're talking about his... His streak is, what, the sixth longest all-time. Gretzky, of course, yep. had with the 40-game the streak. Uh, it's just it's just remarkable. It seems like a little bit like Nikola Jokic at times. Nathan McKinnon or, or McCarr will do something that, that nobody's done in a long time or it's one of the longest streaks of all time. It just shows how incredible the talent is of, of a guy like Nathan McKinnon, uh, most specifically. Yeah, we're spoiled here in Colorado, aren't we? And we, are. <laughs> we certainly are. That's where I, you know, I, I see people complaining from, you know, Nuggets will lose one or two in a row. Abs will do the same thing. I'm like, okay. I mean, let's just step back for a second and, and realize what we have here. And we have um, generational players that are playing in front of us. And that's what Kiel McCarr is, is, is he sets a uh, new franchise record for points by a defenseman last night, passing Tyson Berry. That's what Nathan McKinnon is, as, you know, he... Ties Forsberg for third most assists in franchise history. Obviously, you talk about the NHL records. Nobody has had a longer home point streak um, since Mario Lemieux in 95-96. So, Nathan McKinnon has the longest one in the century. Um, And he's got 61 points during 
during this streak on home ice, which is which is frankly incredible. And you know, he's I'm not sure how much a heart trophy means to him. Maybe a little bit. He wants to win more than anything else. But the the, the type of feats and records and just style of play. I mean, he was he was a vi- the video game Nathan McKinnon last night. The way that he was skating, moving, his vision. The things that even don't show up in the score sheet are some of the things that make him the best hockey player on the planet right now. And that's saying something because you have other extraordinary feats, Austin Matthews, Nikita Kucherov, Connor McDavid. But what we're seeing from Nathan McKinnon on home ice in particular is something you don't see, but once every 30 years almost. So we have to, we have to always remember that and, Thank our lucky stars when we sit down to watch or, in my preference, listen to Avalanche hockey every night. Absolutely. Our preference as well, by the way, Connor. Oh, aren't you sweet? <laughs> uh, sometimes. As people that, that's the <laughs> no. Buckeye boy. The Buckeye no, boy. Not. Yeah, not really. He's not really that sweet uh, uh, most of the time. That's what everyone's times. Uh, maybe not so much. Eh, maybe not so much. Some days, but most days probably not. Connor, pick a, pick a different adjective. <laughs> no. Please. I appreciate it, Connor. Thank you. I think you're an excellent judge of character. I, I do appreciate that. Thank you. No. Yeah. <laughs> Bad judge of character. <laughs> As Radio Voice, Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Valeria Chushkin back with the team out of the player assistance program. What does the time frame look for uh, for Val to be back with this team on the ice and, and playing uh, and playing meaningful hockey? Well, officially, he's cleared to practice, not cleared to play yet, but that's they, they come in sequence pretty quickly. He won't go on this trip. We leave today for Chicago, play the Blackhawks tomorrow in Nashville on Saturday, and then return home to play Chicago on Monday. So the, you would think that, and, and Jared Bednar said that this on his show this morning on our flagship, that, that one of the two games probably uh, when we return home next week would be, uh, would be the aim for Val. I would not be surprised if it's, Monday versus Chicago, but it could be any of those days. The good news for Val is he keeps himself in great shape. I watched him skate before uh, morning skate yesterday on his own with Toby Peterson, who's the skating coach uh, for the Avalanche. And um, obviously, the, the there's nothing that can compare to game shape. So uh, the lungs may have been burning a little bit, but but still, it's it's powerhouse Val out there, and he stayed with the group. Nathan McKinnon took the morning off, and uh, and he was out there with power play one. So um, there, it was like he never left. So I, I just think that a couple days where he'll be probably doing two days with Toby to, to get back into shape, and uh, and he'll be good to go uh, next week. We assume when he has returned back. I know we've talked about the trade deadline before, coming up on March eighth, but with Val's return. How much of an impact does it have on what uh, what Chris McFarland, Joe Sackick does at the trade deadline, or does it have an impact at all? Oh, huge impact. I think Val Nichushkin is one of the most important players on this roster, and the records would indicate that. Um, the overlying and underlying numbers would indicate that the Avalanche are a significantly better hockey team with Val Nichushkin in the lineup. So I'm not sure that... There's a lot to be done anyhow, um, but there's put it this way: there's no player in the league that is attainable that could be a better acquisition than Val Nichushkin the week of the trade deadline. Not doesn't exist. Um, I know everyone wants to talk about the center position, but when you're talking about a forward who plays uh, arguably almost better than anybody else in every single facet. Um, Val Machushkin is the top there, and and he will swing this team in in the absolute right direction. So that that has a huge impact on uh, on the Avalanche going forward. Now, even if his return was delayed a little bit, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know exactly what moves you would make if, if you're Chris McFarland. Now we'll see. If anything's cooking before uh, Friday's trade deadline, I think it's bizarre it's on a Friday, by the way. Um, but uh, but we'll see what happens. But Val Nichushkin is better than any acquisition I think that you could make around the league. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, once again, backup goaltender that that may be an area that they look at. We've we've discussed that quite a bit. But 
you're right, getting uh, Valerie Nachushkin back is a, a huge, huge uh, uh, situation for the Avalanche to get him back on the ice concerning how uh, red hot he was before he went to the Players Assistance Program. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, we, I know there's the Jake Allen rumors swirling around out there once upon a time, and who knows? I, I always get a chuckle at people who think they have the inside track, and these scouts are here, and we're talking. We're, I saw the GM pick up the phone, and, you know, it, it just absolutely cracks me up. Nobody, nobody knows until it's done. It's like Michael Scott said, there's no way to get inside the Tiger's mind. We don't have the technology. Well put by uh, <laughs> by Michael Scott, the Dun- D- genius uh, at Dundler Mifflin back in the day. What a genius. Yeah, that's right. Did you hear where there, there was some talk about a reboot? Or an actual, right. Just, no, I leave know, it alone. I Every know, time you try and reboot something, it sucks. Just, and then, just leave it alone. That Stanford. one was the reboot. Yeah, why? Because it was the, the American version of the British one with Ricky Gervais. But... I, yeah, I, and 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 uh, Steve Carell said, "I don't want anything to do with it." I, I no, I'm right. I'm good. We're we're fine. I yeah, you, I've, you I've can't triple show. stamp a double stamp. Exactly, my friend. Well put. Yeah. Once again, yes, exactly. <laughs> why why mess with with what was perfection back the back in the day with the office? Just leave, leave it alone. Leave yeah. it alone. Leave it alone. All right, Connor. Appreciate it, man. Have uh, have a safe trip and a uh, good time out in Chicago. Appreciate it. Lou Malnati's, here we come. All right. (laughs) Take care. Thank you. Connor McGee, voice of the Avalanche. Join us on the program this morning. Why why reboot it? Why? Why do that? Steve Carell doesn't want it. If Steve Carell won't won't come back, then you're done. There's some talk. Well, he might do it with some of the other characters. Promote somebody from within or something. I don't know. I haven't seen the show. No, just leave it alone. Steve Carell, mm-hmm. as Michael Scott, reminded me so often of our former boss, Robert St. John. For so many times, Michael Scott would say something, go, and they, do yeah, they have, a, that before. Do they have a mic on our boss, Robert St. Yeah. John? Because that's something that St. John would say. I miss those meetings with him. I do. He was the highlight of our, of our yeah. meetings every week. Just waiting for those 45 mic- minutes for the five nuggets of joy. Those Michael Scott moments. Yeah. Always, always enjoy those. The ones that are my favorite are the, eh, you can't really say you, that. You, no, like, what? it's not bad, but. It's not great either, it's though. It's not great. <laughs> eh, not something you should probably be saying. No, probably not.